y'all are going to die. I just stopped crying. I'm laughing so hard. I'm trying not to start back again because, oh my God. Okay. So I'm at the Wawa and um, I had just been surfing on Facebook and I read a little article. It was like a Christmas article about how everybody's so generous over the holidays and it makes everything so magical. And so y'all, I was just in this place. Hold on a second. I'm about to die. Y'all are gonna. <laughs> I can't even contain myself. Hold on, I'm so sorry. All right, so I'm in line at the Wawa, and this lady behind me is buying her um, ginger ale, and I realize all she has is ginger ale, and so I'm like, oh, I'm feeling the holiday spirit. I'm gonna buy this woman her ginger ale. And so I'm like, are you only buying ginger ale? And she's like, yes, why? I was like, I've got you. I'm going to get your ginger ale. She's like, why? I said, well, because I'm just feeling the holiday magic, you know, and I can't afford to buy people Starbucks like all of those givers do because those drinks are like seven or eight bucks. I can buy myself some Starbucks, but not everybody else some Starbucks. So she laughed and I bought her ginger ale and I was like, happy holidays. And we like, you know, it was a precious moment. So I walk outside and I'm still in this mindset that the holidays are so magical. <laughs> and I see this man. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, I, I see this man. He's cleaning my windshield. <laughs> Convinced this is a Christmas magic. And so I'm like, oh gosh, I'm, I just love this time of year, you know? So I walk up to this man and I am like, this is my favorite part of humanity. I love Christmas so much. Thank you for doing this. And I give him a hug. <laughs> it wasn't my car. <laughs> he was parked directly in front of me. And he was cleaning his own windshield. <laughs> I told him. I loved Ashley Wentz. I am an intern pastor here. It is so great to see you this morning. I just crack up even more every time I see this video. It was posted all over my Facebook newsfeed all week, and I really try very hard not to hop on the bandwagon, so I thought, I'm not clicking on that because it's the only thing on my newsfeed, right? And finally, I thought, okay, I like Christmas, and this woman looks like she's having a good time. So I clicked on it, and I just thought, this is hilarious because it's something I would do. I right? Like, oh man, I'm known for doing silly stuff like this because Christmas is so stinking awesome. We are in the end of Revelation this weekend, and I would like to quickly recap where we have been in this sermon series. Two weeks ago, Pastor Jeremy introduced us to the word apocalypse, which in our English connotation 
has a really negative meaning, right? Apocalypse is a scary word most of the time. And Pastor Jeremy reminded us that apocalypse simply means to reveal. The original Greek, it just means reveal. And the book of Revelation is God's revealing to us. And it's full of hope. It's nothing to be scared about. It's not a scary word. The revelation of God is hopeful. And we look forward to that. And then last week, Pastor Scott reminded us um, about control and how a lack of control can often lead to abandoning our faith. But the spoiler alert last week was that Jesus has overcome the world. We don't have to have control because God already has everything under control. And now we're in the last verses of Revelation. And you're wondering, how on earth does that hilarious southern woman at the Wawa, I had to Google what the Wawa was, by the way, like I couldn't, it's like our Casey's, it's a gas station. Um, How does that woman relate to the end of Revelation? And I think they tie together very well. Here's why. She is spreading holiday cheer so freely that she's telling people how much she loves humanity in the gas station parking lot. At the end of Revelation, that's the kind of spirit we get from these last verses. It is so exciting to read the last verses of Revelation. We should be spreading this cheer all over. It really is the most wonderful time of year, right? Christmas is coming. I love Christmas lights and I love Christmas trees and cookies and carols and presents, right? You name it. I love it all. But my favorite part of Christmas has nothing to do with the beautiful stuff or stuff in general. I love this time of year because I can tangibly see Jesus everywhere. You don't have to look very far to see him. For example, he's in the giving all around us. People are givers this time of year, right? Like maybe you might buy somebody Starbucks. We start to believe again this time of year because of these things. Maybe you read the Christmas story for the thousandth time and you're blown away by by what Mary endured and how Jesus was born and how angels showed up. We start to believe again and it's so powerful. We see it in the giving around us, right? We're in the season of Advent and we have our Advent sock drive. People are showing up to church with bags of socks. It's amazing. They're excited to give away socks because it's such a basic need in our community. This is a picture of uh, Pete Smith. He's our youth and family director, and he was rocking a guitar up here earlier. Those are Operation Christmas Child boxes. That's a ministry that our students do every year, and they fill those boxes with presents that get sent overseas. In the last two years, our student ministry students have packed over 400 boxes that have gone overseas to kids who weren't going to get Christmas gifts. Yeah, let's praise Jesus for that. This is him in the season of giving, right? Our students are so pumped about Operation Christmas Child. In fact, this year, we forgot to order the really pretty boxes, and people were like, we have to bring our own shoe boxes? Like, where are the pretty green and red boxes? They're so pumped about it. And our Building to a Hope Beyond campaign, in the last month, in a month, You have given over a million dollars to the building campaign so that we can add on to this building. This is Jesus working this time of year. Yeah, praise him, right? He is all around us. 
you might just buy somebody Starbucks, right? We start to believe again. There's a warm feeling that bubbles up inside of us this time of year. It is magical. And that is Jesus Christ. That's where we find, we find him here at the end of Revelation in verse uh, 17. Let's read verse 17 together. It'll be on the screens. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. Come, come, come. That's the invitation. That's the invitation at Christmas time. That's the invitation at the end of Revelation. Come, come, come. The original hearers of this message would have heard this and remembered something previous in Scripture. John, who we think writes Revelation, harkens back to Isaiah. And Isaiah prophesies about the coming of Jesus the Messiah. Some of our favorite Christmas verses come from the prophet Isaiah. And what Isaiah says in chapter 55, he says, Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink, even if you have no money. Come, take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Come, 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 come. He is ready for you, and it's free. Let anyone who's thirsty come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. Is anyone thirsty? Come. It's all free. There are no stipulations. There are no short answer questions. There are no interviews to come to Jesus. It's all free. What if this time of year, what if we invited Jesus to come into our life, to come and transform the daily stuff, the big stuff, and the little stuff? What if we invited him here and said, Jesus, come, come transform my life? This invitation is not only free, it's for anyone. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires drink freely. Is anyone thirsty? You don't have to be a good Christian. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to show, to worship, show up to worship every single week. You don't even have to be a believer yet. Anyone can come and it's free. Do you believe this? What if you asked Jesus, come Please come and transform my life. And it's hard. It is so hard to ask him to come. We get so busy. I was just in the back hallway waiting to come on, and it was like all of our kids' ministry, right, coming, waiting to come out for the, for the kids' program. And I was talking with a leader, and she was like, oh, it's so crazy this time of year, and it's busy. And I was like, I know we're all just so busy. To invite Jesus to come means we actually have to stop and take a step back from the busyness. Our first instinct when things get busy, when there's a lot of stuff to do before Christmas, when you have to make dinner and wrap the presents or buy the presents and invite family and clean the house, we actually have to stop and take a step back and consciously think to invite Jesus to come. We are not wired to do that, unfortunately. We are wired to survive. 
We are wired to put one foot in front of another and just get through the day and wake up tomorrow. There is so much more to that. Life is so much more than that. Take a step back and ask him to come. Ask him to come into your life and transform it. Ask it to be more than just the things. The spirit and the bride say come. The Holy Spirit and the church, they say come. And the second sentence says, let anyone who hears this say come. We're first invited. And the second sentence is a job description. As believers in Jesus Christ, we are hearers of this message. Come, get filled up, and then say to others, come. Our life as believers doesn't stop when we start believing. It begins when we start believing, and we turn our lives around, and we start walking toward Jesus Christ. But there's more to that walk. Keep on keeping on, right? We got to keep walking that walk. But then tell others about it. That's what it says here at the end of Revelation. Let anyone who hears this, have you heard it? Have you asked God to come into your life? And if you have, are you inviting others to it too? Theologian and Greek scholar Robert Mounts writes, those who hear and accept, repeat the invitation to others who thirst for the water of life. Those who hear and accept, repeat the invitation to others who thirst for the water of life. When's the last time you repeated the invitation to someone else? When's the last time we stepped back far enough from the busyness to ask God to come and then looked around us and asked God to come into the people's lives around us too? This is a wondrous time of year and it's full of joy, but it can also be really, really hard. People around us are struggling Maybe you're struggling. We're reminded that some people that we love are not next to us this Christmas. It's the end of the year, and maybe we've achieved nothing we thought we were going to do this year. In fact, the year has gone totally opposite of how we thought it would go. Just in the last week, I've had conversations about debt and divorce and disease and death. We had a funeral here on Friday. Times get rough. And this time of year reminds us how much of a struggle life can be. I'm reminded of the woman at the well in John's gospel. John, who writes the gospel of John, is probably the same John who writes the book of Revelation. And we meet the woman at the well. She's there, the Bible tells us, in the middle of the day by herself. And Jesus comes to her. Historically, a woman never should have been at a well in the middle of the day by herself. We know she was an outcast. She did not belong. Her town did not love her. She was the woman with a lot of husbands. And she was struggling. And what Jesus says to her at that well, he says, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It will become like a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. This is the invitation to come, becomes a fresh bubbling spring within you. Have you accepted it? Have you prayed for it? 
And if you have, have you told everybody else about the fresh, bubbling spring that is within you? That's what the woman at the well does. She is outcast. Nobody cares about her. She is struggling. And Jesus says, I'm giving you a new life. I'm inviting you into a community that is unlike any community you've ever been in before. I love our Hope family. I love this community so much. But there's an even better one, and it's in Jesus' kingdom, where we're called sons and daughters of a king, and this is a small glimpse of it. There's an eternal community that Jesus invites us to. And this woman gets that, and she thinks it's pretty amazing. She goes and she tells her town, and John 4, 39 tells us that when she told her town, because of her testimony, everybody believed. Everyone in her town believed in Jesus Christ because of her testimony. Jesus says, come, and she went and told people. There's a cool thing about the Greek verb come. It's erkomai is the Greek verb. It means come, and it means go. There's a reciprocity to this verb that says when Jesus invites us to come, we're also told to go. When is the last time you went and you told somebody about Jesus Christ? Have you first come and been filled up? Have you let him fill you up? Do you have that fresh bubbling spring within you? Step back and let him do that. And then go. Go and tell other people about it. And going is scary. It is hard, unless you're the woman in the video, right? Like, she was pumped to go tell somebody how much she loved humanity. Maybe it's that easy for you, but maybe it's not. Where is God calling you to go? Have you asked him? Where is God calling you to go? We don't have to be a Mother Teresa or a Billy Graham because we're not. But God is uniquely calling you somewhere in your life we just might not hear it. Have you been filled up and have you gone out? Hope's mission is to reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. We are on a mission as a church to go do that because it matters and it transforms the lives of the people around us. Invite Jesus to come and then tell everybody else how he comes and what it means. We first have this invitation, come, and then we're reminded of our job description to go and tell other people to come into this relationship. And then we get to verses 18 and 19 in Revelation, which I would like to conveniently skip over and pretend don't exist. It's the warning, right? It's the warning. I'm going to read it. I'm in Revelation 22, verses 18 and 19. And I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the words of prophecy written in this book, if anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. If anyone removes any of the words from this book of prophecy, God will remove that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city that are described in this book. Hey, kind of scary. So as I was preparing this message, I met with Pastor Scott, and I was like, help me, man, because I'm an intern pastor, and like, this is the first sermon you gave me on the end of Revelation. I was like, yeah. I was like, baptism by fire, right? I was like, what am I supposed to do with this? 
And he kind of laughed and said, well, what do you want to do with it? And I was like, great answer. That's very helpful. No, he gave me a really great advice. He gave me really great advice. First, I thought this was supposed to be read literally. I have read this morning pretty literally most of my life, as in don't actually write any other words on this scroll. And don't scribble out any other words on the scroll, right? We have the Bible we have in our hands because it was copied over and over and over and over and over again. So most theologians would actually say, yep, that is a pretty accurate reading of this warning. Warnings like this were very common. We find a similar warning in Deuteronomy where Moses tells the Israelites, do not add or subtract from the commands I have given you. So that could be a way to read this. However, we also have to remember that Revelation is apocalyptic literature. It's a specific genre that was very common in its time, but it was not meant to be read literally. So what Pastor Scott said to me was, what if this warning is something deeper? And what if it is? Here's what I mean. Have you ever thought faith wasn't enough? Have you ever thought... To really be a good Christian, you needed faith plus the right family, the right car, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, more of that. I need more than just faith. Maybe this warning is telling us you cannot add to faith. You cannot add to what God has already done for you. This is it. This is all you need. And you can't have less. We can't pick and choose what we want out of this book to define who we are as Christians. We take it all or we take none of it. You cannot add to this. The foundation of the Lutheran Church was built on justification by faith alone. In fact, the entire reformation of the church was built on this premise. You cannot have more than what is already here, and faith is enough. You also can't have less. I don't think this warning is supposed to be scary. I think it's supposed to be a reality check. How are we doing? Do we take God at his word for what he says, and do we believe it? Or do we reduce it to something less? Do we believe in the power to invite him to come and have faith that he will? We have this invitation to come and then we're told of our job description. And then we have this reality check, which I don't think is any accident that it's where it is in the book of Revelation. And then we have the best news. The news that makes us jump out of our seats and hug a stranger at Casey's or Quickstar on the way home. It's verse 20, and it says, He who is the faithful witness to all these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Who is the faithful witness to all these things? Jesus Christ. And he says, Yes, I am coming soon. I've invited you, and now I'm telling you to invite other people. And now we're checking on reality. How are we doing with this? And I'm telling you that I'm coming again. I am coming soon. What does it mean for Jesus to break into your life right now? What if we fought 
all of our daily battles, the big struggles, the little struggles, and everything in between, what if we fought them with the faith and trust that Jesus was coming soon? Would it reduce the big stuff to actually pretty small stuff? Because guess what? Jesus is coming soon. He's going to renew and restore and bring all things new on this earth. This is not where we belong. We do not belong here. One of uh, my favorite verses, it hangs in the hall, one of the main hallways in our house. It says, for this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. If we back up a chapter in Revelation, John talks about this vision of heaven coming down to earth and a new Eden. I don't know what Eden looked like when Adam and Eve lived there before they sinned. I honestly can't fathom how beautiful it was. But don't you imagine that the most beautiful place you've ever seen times a million is what Eden looks like? That's what's happening. This world is not where we belong. There are struggles and hardships and death and disease, and it stinks. But Jesus is coming soon. What does it look like for him to come into your life and transform it? What does it look like to invite him into the daily battles and say, God, I surrender this to you because you are coming soon, and I don't belong here? I just finished taking finals, which, horrible, horrible week of finals. And honestly, I maybe asked God to come and redeem me in that week, maybe once. Embarrassing enough, right? We get so busy that we forget. This is not something we want to forget. This is not something we want to forget. And we get a glimpse of it at Christmas. In the season of Advent, we await the coming of Jesus. At the end of Revelation, we again await for his coming. There's something so powerful in this coming that this is the way Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Why do we pray this? Because nothing on earth is as powerful as praying for God to come. When we want to get on our knees and yell at God because life stinks, what if we got on our knees and yelled at him, come, Lord Jesus, into this pain and the struggle and the hurt? Jesus is coming again, and that's what we celebrate at Christmas. And you think, cool, Ashley, I could pray, and I can have faith, but then what? Then what do we do? And Christmas is going to pass like it does every year, and I have a whole other year until Christmas comes again. We have to look for him to show up. Are you looking for it? We get so busy. We miss it all the time. God shows up in two ways. He shows up tangibly. These are miracles. This is the healing that you never thought would come in a relationship or a sickness. These are small miracles, like when you're having a bad day. And that perfect text message comes across, or there's a little note when you get home. When's the last time you chalk that up to like, oh, my husband's awesome? Or, oh, just good timing. That's God. That's God showing up when you need him. And we forget that it's him. 
God shows up intangibly too, and this one's hard. Intangibly is God behind the scenes. And sometimes we see it in retrospect. We look back over a season of life and say, now I see how God was all over that. I didn't see it at the time, but now I see. And man, that's a gift. But sometimes, this gets really hard, sometimes God shows up intangibly when we get to heaven. Sometimes we don't get the answers on this side of heaven. There's a reality we cannot see on earth because we don't belong here. And sometimes God gets to give us those answers when we meet him. And that's hard. But he always shows up. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He is always here. Do you know it? Have you invited him? Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Revelation 3 says that Jesus knocks at the door. And if we open it, he will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Are you looking for him? What if this Christmas you could pray, Jesus, come and believe it and then invite others to experience it too? What if you took a step back to look for his work in your life rather than just keep on keeping on with the daily grind? He's there. He's coming. My prayer for us as we get closer to Christmas and really for all year is that we could see him, that we could fervently pray daily, Lord Jesus, come. The band is going to close us with a new song. Listen to the lyrics. God is our refuge and our hiding place. He's always with us and he is worthy.